0: So you're like the Garden of Eden, and, and people are going to be coming <laughs> we're to your safe. place.
1: we safe. We have avocados. Like, we're, we're going to be fine.
0: <laughs> well, hey, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of Lunch Therapy. I'm your host, Adam Roberts. And here today for my introduction, you may recognize her voice because she was one of the very first Lunch Therapy uh, patients, is Nicole Rucker. Hey, Nicole. Oh, she just took a sip of water.
1: Gulp. Hello. Sorry.
0: Um, Hi. And before we chat with Nicole, I just want to let you all know today's episode is so cool. Nicole, you have to hype this a little bit for me too i mean this was a pretty good get right
1: yeah that's a remarkable remarkable appearance on this podcast by fergus henderson yes and trevor gulliver i've met um trevor before in passing and he was like the nicest person i've ever met you met
0: trevor gulliver before yeah
1: (laughs) he was just um he was at john and minnie's doing a a pop-up i think a a few years ago and he happened to come into cofax at the time and um, get coffee or something. Oh, amazing. And what a sweet guy.
0: Well, for those who don't know, Fergus Henderson, so he's one of the world's most famous chefs. He um, was Anthony Bourdain, the quote is, He's the most influential chef of the last 20 years. That was what Bourdain said on his episode when Fergus Henderson showed up. And he's famous for nose-to-tail cooking, um, although he kind of doesn't love that label. And he is the chef at St. John in London. And he has a new book out called The Book of St. John, which um, is beautiful. And so I'm so excited for you guys to hear my interview with Fergus and Trevor, who's, who's his business partner, I should say mm-hmm. that. Yeah,
1: so he's married to... Um- another chef she owns Rochelle Canteen oh yeah yeah, yeah. Fergus's
0: wife is Margot Henderson, yeah, Margo Henderson which is so funny because I have her cookbook and it's oh. one of my favorite cookbooks yeah, of all time it's yeah. a great
1: book and a great yeah. restaurant it's
0: called you're all invited and I confess to Fergus I felt a little bad saying it that I was actually a bigger fan of his wife than his but it's true is that weird that he I said he probably that? liked it. I think he did. That's why I said it.
1: I mean, like, he's he's probably, you know, when you have a great wife like that, like yeah. you got he has to be proud, you know?
0: That's what I think. I
1: imagine that's what my husband feels about me. Yeah, if like I'm he just came projecting. on the projecting.
0: No, I think that's what my husband feels about. Yes, oh, I don't know yes, about that. Yes, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> uh, well, Nicole, we have you here for this intro because you have something going on that you want to tell our listeners about, or I'd like you to tell your yeah. our listeners about. Do you want me to Say it first, or do you want to explain it?
1: <laughs> say it first, just okay. as the kids say, or uh, say it back. I don't know. Oh, Anyways, I don't know what kids say. I'll say it. I'm comfortable saying it. Um, amidst doomsday prepping, I also have a Kickstarter going All right. um, to help me continue the progress on opening my permanent bakery inside of Grand Central Market, which is where I have a lease and I've been working there as a pop up a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to open a permanent space there. It's very cute. You can see the design of the space. You can hear more about why I decided to go this route and ask and for money. your Kickstarter,
0: you're like... It actually, really took off. No, but like the page itself is so beautifully put together. Oh, it's thank you. It's gorgeous. And you have all these incentives for people. I have
1: so many incentives. I have more incentives coming down. Tell
0: us what are like soon. the best ones that like people well, the, should... The you have to live ones. in LA for some of them? Or? No,
1: there's some that can... I'm, I'm open to shipping internationally. All of the swag, like... Hats and tote bags and signed books and things like that. I'll send to wherever you are. That's fine with me. But the stuff that's like an experience, mm-hmm. you do have to be in L.A. Right.
0: Um Well, I I should say, before we even, like, I'm just realizing, what if someone's listening to this and they didn't know, like, who you were yet? So I should just say, like, you're an amazing baker. (laughs) Oh,
1: thank you. You are
0: the author of the cookbook, Dappled.
1: And podcast personality. And podcast
0: personality. But, you know, so for people who don't know you and are like, why would I give to this Kickstarter? Mm -hmm. I mean, Nicole makes, like, the best pies, cookies, cakes. I mean, she's incredible. So that's why you you. should give. She's an artist.
1: Thank you. Um, I'm also, you know, a small business person. And right. these are unsure times for small businesses. And also the the funding system that the the country has in place to help small businesses is is really tricky and mm-hmm. really anti-mom and pop. Like mm-hmm. to have a true mom and pop restaurant or cafe or bakery or clothing store or whatever it is is very, very difficult. And finding a way To get that off the ground is also hard. You know, you're kind of like damned if you ask for too much money. You're also damned if you ask for too little money. Because Mm -hmm. a lot of people don't want to give you a loan for just $75,000 when maybe that's all you need, Mm -hmm. right? But they want you to have more. They want you to take $150,000. Really? Oh, that's fascinating. You know, like there's all kinds of things. It's because, you know, in the end, it's better for them. The return is better for them. but. You know, then you maybe take out too much money and it's a lot to carry. And, you know, so I don't know, things like this, like crowdfunding, asking your community if they want to put their support behind you is difficult. Um, But it's also so important for us to engage with right now, because if we want these cool places to stay in business and Mm -hmm. to open and to give people opportunity, then we have to make space for them ourselves. Totally.
0: So, and and you're you're an yeah. essential part of the oh, LA food you. culture. Yeah. So wait, so I did did you get to say some of the incentives though for those okay, who are still so not so Some of the
1: incentives, hats, signed books, tote bags. There's a special year of the woman tote bag. My husband designs all of this stuff. He's uh-huh. a great graphic designer. Um he works so hard. He worked so hard on that page. He, you know, art directed the video. My friend Alan made the video. You know, like I've got a lot of support behind me in that way. So everything looks really good. I'm Um, actually
0: a bigger fan of your husband's graphic design than I am of your baking. Just kidding. ah, He
1: would, oh my God, he would love to hear that. Oh man. Um, but there's stuff like you can just pre pre buy a slice of pie for you and your friend.
0: Well, isn't there like a year of free pie? There
1: is if you're a rich person, yeah. And you really, what you really want to do is just sink ten grand uh-huh. into a small business run by a woman. Mm-hmm. You can give me ten grand, and then you can have as much pie as you want for the rest of your life. That I am open.
0: That's insane. That's yeah. pie for life. For
1: life. For so how every do, p- birthday. Yeah. How
0: you do know, people find your Kickstarter? What do they do? Go to Kickstarter. Go to
1: Kickstarter, uh-huh. and um, you can look up Fat and Flour Bakery, or you can go to my Instagram. God knows I have like a thousand links and swipe ups to it these days. On uh, Nicole I'm really Rucker. It. Okay. Nicole underscore Rucker. Also the Fat and Flower, um, LA. Instagram.
0: Are you not on Twitter anymore?
1: I, I got off of Twitter because um, I wanted to save my sanity. That's and smart. I am actually really happy I'm not on it right now.
0: I keep checking it and it's Mm-mm. making me so anxious and unhappy. Do yeah. No, don't do it. It's bad. Well, Nicole, we nearly ran out of time. <laughs> <I know. laughs> but what I mean, you're no, about? it's good. He did. Fergus Henderson is great. So trevor. But I was going to say, so Fergus Henderson is known for cooking all the parts of the animal, and his cookbook has recipes for like brain, oh, for, yeah. um, you know, lungs. I don't know about what lungs. What does the
1: dessert section look like? Because here's my thing I love Mince those pies. restaurants. Yeah. I love, um, I love, um, St. John bread and wine in particular because they have a beautiful display of all their homemade breads. Mm-hmm. And they have – there's no dessert section in this book is what I'm gathering. Um,
0: I think there is. Is
1: there? There better be. There's they also miz- have uh, the uh, most amazing desserts. Yeah, they have dessert. Okay, good. They have amazing desserts at these restaurants. And so if anything – oh, look at those tarts. They look yeah. so good. Their desserts are great. In particular, if you get to go to these restaurants during rhubarb season, they do the most amazing sexy things with rhubarb. And I don't use the term sexy in relation to food ever.
0: I've seen somebody do something very sexy with rhubarb, but that's a different story for oh a different my podcast. God, Just gross. kidding. Um, well, the other very interesting thing I should mention before the, we start the podcast is that in 1997, Fergus Henderson, who was at the height of his career was diagnosed with Parkinson's. Yeah. And it's a big part of his story. Um, and so, you know, I get into it with him a little bit. I ask him about it, but he had a surgery on his brain that affected his speech. So at, before you listen to this podcast, you should know that there is, um, you know, a little bit of a delay before he speaks. But one of the interesting things was I was a little nervous about interviewing him because I didn't know how he'd be, but I should have been more worried about him being British <laughs> because he and Trevor are like a little reticent at first and I don't want to spoil what happens, but then they start to loosen up because oh. of something that, uh, Comes up in the podcast. Did you get
1: them drunk? Like, what happened? I can't wait to hear this.
0: Uh, maybe.
1: Oh, okay. You lu- you lubricated the convo. Well,
0: I wasn't I wasn't even my idea. They somebody. I mean, I don't want to spoil this, but something happens where it, things loosened up a little.
1: Oh, like a, a little sherry, like a little. I'm imagining a crystal glass of like sherry or. something I won't like
0: tell that. you what the spirit was until I hit stop. But I will say that you are <laughs> correct that there may be some alcohol involved. <laughs> well, everyone. Uh, well, thanks Nicole again for coming Thank on for you. the intro. And uh, before we get to the podcast, I just want to remind you if you haven't already, you can subscribe to Lunch Therapy. Therapy by going to Apple Podcasts, typing in "lunch therapy" and hitting subscribe, and while you're there, leave us a nice review. It's always good for the you know podcast to get good reviews. All right. Well, without further ado, here is my interview with Fergus Henderson and Trevor Gulliver. Thank you both for coming here today. Um, sure. I'll start by saying that I went to London a couple of years ago, and I was by myself, and I came to St. John, and I had lunch there, and. It, it was truly one of the most beautiful experiences I've had in a restaurant. It was just, I was I was by myself, and it was sort of wasn't very crowded. And I sat down at a table, and I had the um, bone marrow, and I had the um, ox heart, and I had peas that I shelled myself.
2: Gosh, all the my favorites, <laughs> all the favorites,
0: and it was just, there was just something about the experience that almost felt spiritual. It felt like I was. You know the, the way people make pilgrimages to you know lords or something. I felt like this was my pilgrimage to your restaurant. So it's really an honor to have you both here. And um, pleasure to be
3: here. Yeah,
0: thank you. Well, I thought I'd start by asking. Um, I know I've heard rumors that you're opening a restaurant in LA. Is that true? It's a work in progress. A work in progress. And should it happen, oh, okay, so that's that. That's. Okay, well, there you go well i'm I started reading the book last night, so the Book of St John is just came out and it's sort of um it's a beautiful hardcover book and um it has all kinds of recipes. but you start the book Fergus by by talking about um, your reputation as being nose to tail and sort of how that's almost been exaggerated over the years in terms of what you do that it's part of a bigger picture and I was curious if you could talk more about you know how how you think about your reputation now, whether the nose to tail of it all is too limiting or if it still is something that you're proud of?
2: Not limiting. It's, um, in a way, it's a, a good tool to expand from and
0: mm-hmm.
2: use as use a as, uh, aid, mm-hmm. if that's possible. But there is, in a way, yeah, because I started, or it started, nose to tail, um, sort of you, you, as a result, you've got sort of city boys coming to the restaurant saying, "Who's having the scariest thing on the menu?" Yeah. <laughs> Nothing's scary; it's all delicious, right? But it's, it's, It seemed that uh, so, and there'd be paper articles saying, "You are awful, but we love you," and things. Yeah. Like that. <laughs> Buns have calmed down now, though, so right. <laughs> it's a good sign.
0: Now, when you started serving, you know, brains and and. Um, hearts and all the different parts of the animal tripe. Have that been something that you had always eaten your whole life, or did you start to get interested in that as you work? I've always loved a pigstrotter. Pigstrotter?
2: Yeah, um, passionately. Mm-hmm. Um, and my mum's from Lancashire. You'll find most chefs' mums come from Lancashire. Mm-hmm. Strangely enough, I don't know why. <laughs> um, so tripe and onions was a feature. Okay. And, um,' yes, generally, I've been drawn into a world of innards and extremities um, <laughs> and happily being drawn in happily, yes.
0: Why do you think so many people are so squeamish about eating those parts of the animal? That's
2: a question I can't answer. <laughs> <it's>, if <laughs> yeah. I knew the secret it, would probably, it would, um, uh, wouldn't be a secret anymore.
0: Well, I'm curious, Trevor, as the um, co-owner of St. John, when Fergus first came to you with the menu ideas and, and wanting to serve, um, you know, bone marrow and, and this kind of food. Was, as a businessman, was that something that you were concerned about or did you think people would take to this right away? Well, it didn't really happen like that. We just had lunch. <laughs> you just and ate lunch? Fergus was cooking
3: over the French and that's where we had our first lunch. Okay. So you're, it's in front of you. So you, you were so already it eating it. We, we don't do concept. Right. There was no presentation of, oh... This all—I think there's a way. It was just that was the way that folks was cooking was developing how he was comfortable, what he wanted to do. So mm-hmm. we have yes. never argued about it at all, really. <laughs> the word common sense.
2: Yeah, common common sense. It's rather
3: dull, but
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, it's also interesting. I'm—I was just reading the New York Times article by Julia Moskin about um, Saint John and sort of talking. Of, it was talking about Brexit and talking about. you know, the British culture and, and, you know, the idea of British food and what it means to the British people. And I was thinking, I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about how the reputation of British, what people thought of British food before St. John and how St. John might have changed people's perceptions of what British food is. Hopefully it
2: said, um, eat brains, Mm -hmm. eat and that, um, and uh, yes, uh, well when I first met Trevor at the French I was already cooking those bits and pieces. Mm-hmm. And um yes, and changing British cooking, that'd be rather cheeky to <laughs> many. So
3: there, there was there was no zeitgeist at that time. Right. And to whilst it, it can hook on an article, but whether Love or Hate them, the Gordon Ramses, the Marker Pierre Whites, and all of those different people, and then the great raft of Simon Hopkins and all those wonderful people. It was changing. It was London, studio. because it was such a, and remains to this day, a crossover of many things, uh, it became a very vibrant, it's a bit like we're saying Hoxton Hotels, mm-hmm. and that's the home of hipsterdom is Hoxton. <laughs> now, when we started and we opened in Smithfield, I can assure you, yeah, the only thing that was a hip was actually attached to an animal. Uh,
0: <laughs> you probably cooked it too. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I mean, I I also think it's interesting because I was in, in the book. You talk about using the local ingredients and using you know um, the what was it the kale the sea kale that grows and pairing it with you know um, but was part of the innovation of Saint John and your cooking to notice the the bounty of of British food.
2: Well, It's sort of accelerating the limitations, in fact. Mm -hmm. So let nature write a menu for you, Mm -hmm. which, um, and it's a sort of, yes, so enjoy the limitations, don't be frustrated. Mm -hmm. And when there's a season, change the menu to follow it, and then it comes back and then... Gorge yourself on it.
0: at <laughs> a break.
3: Well, it's d- like, const- like the, the excitement that brings. Well, rather than, I guess, you can get asparagus any day of the year yeah. around the world now. How does that happen?
0: Right. So it's eating locally, eating seasonally, and um, celebrating the food from where you come.
2: Which is odd that people are so surprised that it's sort of it's mysterious mm-hmm. because why? It's 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 obvious. Which is slightly weird to state it like that, <laughs> but it is. But it is. It's. It's. Um. And yeah, sea kale is. It's really it's it's sort of the oldest brassica I think, mm. and um. But also comes in season early in the year, mm-hmm. which is odd. It's, it's rather sort of fragile, and you imagine in more summery climbs to. But um it's actually early in the year that it comes in season.
0: Well I'm curious, regardless of whether you're opening a restaurant in LA or not, but how does the the um the food here, I mean the, the um the local ingredients here feel very different, I imagine, than in London. is that exciting for you, the idea it of cooking? It is
2: no, it's um very exciting. I mean the things we've found in the market, green chickpeas,
0: mm-hmm.
2: which is Very exciting. That is exciting. Uh, Mulberries. Mm -hmm. I mean, things that you just can't get.
3: So that's um, a definite plus.
0: Great. Well, I have a Meyer lemon tree, if you'd like some lemons before you go. I
3: I always, well, I always
0: take a bag of lemons. Okay, I'll pick you some. Well, we've come to the moment where, um, so we should be clear here. Normally I ask people what they had for lunch, but today it's a little earlier. So you potentially have had breakfast before you came here? Yeah, we did. Okay, and ideally, like, you'll, you'll share what you had, and I'll be able to glean some insight about your characters from it. Or maybe not. We'll see what happens. But what did you eat today?
3: Yeah, we would rather, yes, working off the menu rather than... But it was, yes, we could... Yeah,
0: we wouldn't normally have some of those things, but... Uh, okay. So, what, yeah, what, what, what did you um, have? We had an array
2: of buns and things. Um, mm-hmm. uh, almond and
0: raspberry tartlet. Okay. Which which was
2: heavier than one expected.
0: And this was at friends and family? Yes. Okay.
2: But very impressive array of... A mighty sandwich called the a hippie, a, a, a hippie sandwich. Hippie,
0: hippie sandwich. You had a hippie sandwich. <laughs> yeah, we didn't finish it. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. Hey, I don't. I don't know the people involved. So <laughs> so just, what, what was it's, on? It's quite a lot of it. Okay. <laughs> okay. What's on a hippie sandwich? Uh,
3: it was on a brown bread. It was it was a, a,
0: a hunk of feta, uh-huh. avocado, greens. Okay. So it was kind of fresh. So it sounds very California. And <laughs>
3: yeah, we kind of figured, well, we can't get out full English or. Things that we would have because breakfast is a far more regular thing for people than going to eat in restaurants. So, right. we have more breakfast is an everyday relationship with it's just a coffee shop, right? Um, so, we, we obviously had to have the uh, salmon bagel, mm-hmm. which is great. And you like to build things yourself, don't you, Fergus? Well, <laughs> yes, it
2: f- f- fits into one's um, thing about food and dishes. People sort of the involvement some it just gets reduced to actually destruction. They're, they're, food, yeah. they're taking you put your knife fork in and it fall falls down. Right. So it's sort of uh yes, um salmon bagel <laughs> had enough construction to make, keep me happy it
0: kept you happy yeah. I remember what you wrote in the book about um, making a salad and using your hands and piling it up but not to move one thing or it will all come tumbling down So,
2: but it's, it's um, yes it's very important to stress that once you've it's a dumper truck mm-hmm. and then you firmly grasp your salad so it knows you're in charge Right. and then you let go but yes, you can't touch it again then.
0: Yeah, I just guess. leave it alone.
2: Don't misbehave.
0: Well, I have here, I, I you know, so the idea of this um, podcast is about lunch, and you have a chapter in your book uh, about lunch, and I wanted to read um, some of what you said because I really like it. Lunch, says Fergus, spells potential. It has a pivotal nature. It is a hook on which to hang your day. Um, Shake off the shackles of guilt. Lunch is your time to live. Do not confuse thrift with a lack of generosity. Life may not allow a daily dose of grouse and claret, but there is virtue in making like a Florentine and taking a moment to eat a crusty tripe bun. A good lunch has a spiritual effect, leaving you excited by life's possibilities and with a whole afternoon to act upon them. So that, I mean, the philosophy of that is basically what I, I mean, that's my religion. So <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was wondering if you could talk maybe a little bit more about the role of lunch in your lives. Well, it's huge. Because
2: mm-hmm. it um, happens every day. It has potential. It's potential. It's like supper mm-hmm. is a full stop. You eat supper and then go to bed. Usually. Right. It's lunch tingling with excitement <laughs> also if people sort of touch at you slightly eating lunch lunchtime mm-hmm. it uh, makes it more delicious other than um, being chastised by non-lunchists
0: <laughs> non-lunchists <laughs> and the two of you met you, you said earlier in, uh, the first time over lunch right it was a uh, lunch or you ate at his restaurant at lunch
3: yeah we obviously we um, went to look at the site and then we went. We, yeah, we adjourned John for lunch, basically.
0: Mm-hmm. A yeah, cool. relatively longish lunch. And you have lunches every day at St. John. Is that basically how you much. do your business? Yeah. yeah.
2: Which is that takes its toll. <laughs> to <be. Yes. laughs>
0: yeah, what, what, what do you? Eat yeah, I mean, when you when you're when you're Fergus Henderson at St. John eating lunch, what what do you have for lunch when you go there?
2: Well, nature changes every day. Oh, me. so you change it's it, so whatever. A,
0: and are you criticizing? I mean, do you taste it and say, tell the chef he um, put too much salt in or too much lemon? Or t- you know? like to,
2: yes, but I'm not keen on criticizing during service. Okay. Because um, you know, a crisps chef in the middle of service isn't going to be used to. It's like a bosun. <laughs> who's right. To let the let the other chefs know that didn't go quite right. You don't time. want to throw
0: him off his game? or No. Game. Yeah. That's I true. think not seem enough. Um, and so you do you eat, when you have lunch at St. John, though, and this is every day that you're having lunch. Not every day these
3: days. It would be fair to say. It's okay. Not every day.
0: Every so often. No, more than every so often, actually. That's for sure. But will you go to town? I mean, will you open a bottle of wine? Will you, I mean, be really eating a big lunch? Or is it, are you having... I don't think we ever not open a of <laughs> Would you like some wine right now? I <laughs> no, no. have some behind you. <laughs> well, have you got a fernet? A fernet? I, I do, right up there. Would you oh, like some? I'd love one. you love yeah. <laughs> one? Now we're talking, All right. <laughs> This one is a. Little, uh, I don't know where this came from, but here, there's the bottle. It's against you Yeah. Okay. There's two glasses. Do you want to do the honors?
3: Yeah, I'm, I'm just. I'm a bit worried about um, because <laughs> we're Branka. We're Branka. <laughs> 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 we have to stay on brand. No, this is this is fantastic. Yeah, you gotta
0: you gotta drink on lunch therapy. I mean, this is what you know gets the gets the juices flowing. I gotta take a picture of this. That's pretty fun. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, focus. Would you like an ice cube or anything? Or? Uh, as is, as, as is. is, as is. Okay. I like a medicine. Yeah, yeah, a medicine. Um, actually, I should have a little. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well. This is um. will swap Sorry, that's a bigger glass. Oh, thank I you.
3: have a coupe over there. This <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> All right, it's a bit of industrial size, yeah,
0: but
2: you yeah, know, yeah,
3: yeah. No, cool no, that's I feel better um, better in a tumbler.
0: All right, well now we're now we're off. Uh, <laughs> now we're cooking. So um, so you, yes, the answer to that question is a little um, boost. Cheers, by the way. Cheers. Yeah, nice to have you over. Cheers. Oof. Yeah, that's fernet, that's uh, some strong stuff.
2: It is a miracle. I mean, it does cure, I mean, it take you, bring you back from the edge. Yeah. Um, Any sort of trouble troubles overeating eating, that'll iron them out. You drink
0: some fernet. Yeah, all those, di- I mean, they're all sort of making a comeback right now, right? The uh, yeah. amaro and chinar and, you know, and the digestive qualities.
2: Anything that can happen it's cure, become the cause. Mm-hmm. You know, then, bitters poisoning. Right. Which, uh, once a wise chef diagnosed me mm-hmm. as having business poisoning. Oh. And he was right. Gave up business for a month and it was fine. Bitters poisoning? Yeah. So that's a real thing?
0: It's a real, well.
2: Allegedly. <laughs> in... in, in the strange world I inhabit. It? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs>
0: um, well one thing I was thinking about this podcast, because it's normally you know a one-on-one therapy session, but since I have the both of you here. I'm thinking, and this is the first time I've had two people on together, so I'm actually thinking this might be more of a couples therapy session for the two of you. (laughs) So so I was wondering if you could talk about your relationship. and um, Because, I mean, it seems like it's probably a bit of a marriage after 25 years of working together. Um, Yes? No? (laughs) We're not married. No, I know. but, But you are together a lot, I imagine.
3: Yeah. Yep um that was good yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that really generated a lot of
0: conversation no I was going to say what, what is the secret like couple at the valentine's night
3: looking out the window <laughs>
0: <laughs> what what how do you make it work though in terms of in terms of your collaboration because I mean I imagine obviously you're the food person Fergus and Trevor your your background is it more in the terms of running a business is I mean yeah how,
3: and, the, and the simple way we describe it because everyone likes to it's easy answers burgers puts it on the plate and i put it in the glass
0: oh okay as you just did yeah um but in terms of the maybe we'll start at the beginning though since this book that's you know everyone should by the way should get a copy of the book of saint john but the book is sort of about the history of the restaurant how it came to be and one of the big things about it and when i ate there i clearly noticed it was the white tablecloths the white walls the there's no art on the walls there's no music playing, and all these ideas—almost the philosophy of the restaurant. I'm curious: how, how did, did that come from both of you? Did that come more from one than the other? How did that come about?
2: Well, I'm going to take a gamble and <laughs> say I might be responsible for
3: the white,
0: the white, okay. yeah,
3: of it. I could, I could put a reference of things like the Hayward Gallery, and white spaces were becoming were seen as. Sense, sense again and a sense of space rather than decoration uh-huh. so there was a, a move afoot both in terms of design and architecture was moving away from frills and frippery mm-hmm. which kind of like culinary crutches
2: mm-hmm. sort of red velvet banquet and art on walls terms. right um strangely is we have quite a lot of artists who come eat at mm-hmm. St John so assuming that maybe they had to not see any of the
3: ah <laughs> uh, it's at lunchtime
0: right it gives it's them a true. little break yes but also it puts the focus on the food right
3: yes we're going to use that word common sense again um, yeah
0: the, the pegs are to hang your coat on mm-hmm.
3: so if you remember we reference uh, brasseries I guess and the good of the great old days in Paris or or Mhm. swear mm-hmm. and you, or you got on a train and you're in the trains in the US as well there was a coat rack and mm-hmm. that's where your hat went when everyone used to wear hats As mm-hmm. so when you walk into a brasserie there's a hat rack and there's a you've already taken ownership of the space Mm -hmm. and you understand how it works we're doing everything possible not to distract you but to welcome you right and our sentinels that in their white jackets are there to to look and nurture not not to welcome their so demeaning anyway
2: it makes them proud Mm -hmm. and then that's the first thing you meet it's one of the sentinels of joy Mm
0: -hmm. And if you were opening St. John today, I mean, uh, it's so hard to ask this question because it was so influential in terms of the idea of like industrial chic and, you know, and the white walls and stuff. I mean, would you, if that were as prominent today in other restaurants, do you think you would have gone in the other direction or do you think you still would have done it the way that you did it?
2: Well, walls white. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. I do have white
0: walls. It's (laughs) It's a tribute to you. (laughs) uh,
2: It's... You can't go wrong. Mm-hmm. It's, it's true. It's because uh, then you, yeah, you place things on it or mm-hmm. in front of it or it's uh, white is not one to sound mm-hmm. whitest. <laughs> but um, uh, uh, I think white would still feature on our walls.
0: You would still have white walls. Still white, white walls. Now, in terms of you guys, though, over the years working together, have there ever been disagreements about? whether it's a dish on the menu or uh, approach to running the restaurant or keeping it open on a certain day and not, you know, I mean, it seems like you guys get along smashingly, but I'm curious if, you know, in your couple's therapy session, if uh, <laughs> if there's ever been any conflict. <laughs> It'd
3: be pretty weird um, if it hadn't been. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's like, and I mean, there have been natural wine moments.
0: right. <laughs> that's, okay. any, that's anywhere natural wine know, moment that doesn't, that doesn't matter <laughs> um, what do you think about um, natural wine oh
3: god um, uh, good wine is good wine mm-hmm. and if it's made well and properly and it's expression of terroir or the people that are making it then it's fine mm-hmm. you don't have to like it you don't have to subscribe to it but it's not a fashion or a trend if it is then it is just that mm-hmm. and that's not relevant in our world
0: right how
3: talk- good was that
0: that was great. That was very good. You talk about trends in the book too and say anything that's trend, you know, the idea of food trends being ridiculous, that food shouldn't be trendy or not trendy, and, you know, that that's it's, it's, absurd.
2: It's almost fatal for food.
3: If it's trendy. If it's trendy, yes. It's, um, so it's. No, I just. It's just, a trend, is a, is a something to exploit for someone who started it out for the wrong reasons, in a way. Mm hmm. Restaurant. What she put in it, and kind of in her own way, we kind of have an idea. And if we started with the space of St John, yeah, then Fergus saw it and he, he reacted the same way, mm-hmm. but but was also already cooking in the way he wanted to cook. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of things become naturally. But actually, say, I want to go into, I want a restaurant. Mm, what should I cook? Right. Is then you follow trends and fashions, which only have a lifespan, and the people that do that are already moving on to the next one because right. their life is about. For us, it's um, it's all the people, it's all the producers, the suppliers, it's the fact Mm -hmm. we've been on that street a long time. And there's a place in, in, in on, on that street amongst the people that come to
0: us. Well, it makes me think of, of authenticity, just being authentically yourselves and doing what's true to you and not trying to do what's going to please the public and staying true to yourself over the years. We're both quite rigorous. <laughs> stubborn, <laughs> yeah, that's great. Well, also food trends are so funny. I mean, I, I have a pasta that I like to make with sun-dried tomatoes. And when I make it, people are always like, "What is it? The 1980s?" Because yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. sun-dried tomatoes were like a big ingredient in the 80s. But it sort of feels ridiculous to me. It's you know, sun-dried tomatoes are good. If, if yeah. you like. I mean, I don't know how you feel about it. I don't know if they're local. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a, that's part of who you are. Yeah, but, uh, I guess. so, hey. Yeah, denial. <laughs>
2: yeah. Um, there was
0: once,
2: wasn't recently? Someone, some chef said, "Ah, this season is going to be." Caramel, mm-hmm. hazelnuts, and bourbon. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> they, that's <in>
2: <laughs> That's what happens. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's
3: bailed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a bit like the colours in those magazines for people's houses.
0: Right, what's, what's trendy right now. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. ridiculous. Well, I mean, I guess another question I would have for both of you is, were you surprised by the success of St. John? I mean, in terms of how it started... And where it went did you foresee at the beginning that this would become you know one of the most celebrated restaurants in london and in the world
3: oh uh, uh, we had the unfortunate <laughs> experience in the first five years so that's pretty tempering <laughs> yeah to, so, to, to not have it would it be uh, it, uh, we all know how how influential folks has been around the world of cooking and everything else but generally the heart of everything do is, is well, actually everything we do okay because we're at the two restaurants but uh, is the is the kitchen in Smithfield,
2: mm-hmm.
3: and that informs everything. That's where it starts. That's where it finishes. Doesn't matter about what's out there in the in the in the in the whole world of food these mm-hmm. days. It's our customers. It's how we cook. It's all the folk that come through, mm-hmm. go forward, go on, which we always help rather than go. Oh, really? <laughs> I'm a chef short, right? Uh, so so our, Yeah, that first five years was tough.
0: Right. Um, you, stuck, you stuck through it and. Reverse confidence. Yeah. yeah that's right. Reverse confidence. Right. And I remember reading in the book, you said, you said that consultants or whomever what were suggesting you put fish on the menu or you, you maybe try some other things, but you stuck to what you were doing, right?
3: It's, 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 yeah. Why would you, I mean, if you don't, be all if you don't know what you're doing or what you want to do and you're employing other people to tell you, um, just because just because you go to art school doesn't mean you can paint, mm-hmm. right? So you should have a purpose because it's you and the people that work for you, and the customers that come in, mm-hmm. not uh, not artifice, right? You know, we all know what consultants are. Mm-hmm. In a way, I'm, I
0: might mean, well. some great.
3: <laughs> I mean, the guy who did my hip was fantastic.
0: <laughs> but I mean, um, at the very beginning, during those first five years, when you were serving this food to people who maybe hadn't hadn't had it before or weren't used to it. I mean, did you feel like you had to proselytize about it and explain to them why, why it was good to eat brains and why it's good to eat tripe? Or Not really. You just Mainly served just it. just through, through
2: the food we spoke to them. Right. I mean, yes, and perverse confidence allowing us to <laughs> steam on
3: ahead. Yeah. As, um, but It's always good when it, it's, it's about the people that come back. Mm-hmm. The, there's the people you want. Right. So if you just have, uh, the world is very impatient now. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have to have patience, and unfortunately, people aren't given that these days. Or That's in fact, they they turn up impatient.
0: Yeah. Well, especially I was going to ask you now, like with the change in media, with social media and Instagram and Twitter and Yelp and all these things, how how has that changed? The restaurant industry for you or, or your approach to running or, i mean do you think now about how is this dish going to look on instagram how is somebody going to yelp us or no, no. well we don't <laughs> <laughs> um
2: i don't even know what yelp is <laughs> oh, you're,
0: you're very lucky yeah the less you know about it the better yeah it's a review website where people can review restaurants and so uh, like it's like trip yeah yeah totally it's so
3: um.
2: We're looking
0: very straight-faced now, don't uh, you?
3: Yeah. Don't get
0: yourself into trouble. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, you know, it seems like the, the power in the restaurant industry used to rest on the shoulders of a couple of critics who could yeah. review, make or break a restaurant. And now that power has sort of become democratised in some way where any customer can come in and go onto a blog or go on TripAdvisor or go on Yelp and write their own review. And has that...
2: It seems like a very strange thing to have a good lunch mm-hmm. and then go back and sit down like know I know something rather stern about that lunch or something. Mm-hmm. Whereas lunch should be running, coursing through your veins at that point And mm-hmm. you're, it's, <laughs> it's peak of potential. Right. And um, yes, instead of thinking, I
3: don't know, I'm going to be grumpy to... so then write a review. Well,
2: maybe write review. Much. I should
3: think about this. this, this I'm of think about, we just spoke about artifice and decoration mm-hmm. in those restaurants. Well, maybe that's the new... Because therefore, if I therefore I am, because my social media is really good.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: When in fact, what you should be is is a good restaurant, and then people will, people will always come to you. Hmm. Not everybody, because people some are vegetarian, some don't eat fish, some love a Chinese, I don't, right. whatever. I'm that I'm on a Tuesday. Mm-hmm. The worrying thing That's about right. a regular is they sometimes stop being regular. Mm-hmm. Like, go, yeah, what's happened? What's
2: <laughs> happened?
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah. Yes, It's actually gone a bit, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, Fergus, I have to make a confession to you, which is as much as I'm a fan of yours, I am also a huge fan, maybe even a bigger fan of your wife. so I have her cookbook on my <laughs> shelf over there margot and i um and I have to just say that she, I, I, her writing and your writing i mean i adore both of you have a recipe in your books for a martini, but her description of how to make a martini is is the both of you are very particular about it actually you eat very dry, cold grass, but I was going to ask um how in terms of being married, I mean, we talked about your relationship, the two of you. Um, but your wife, we, for those who don't know, we should say, is, a, is also a formidable chef, incredible, um, formidable around, I formidable all around. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> uh, but I was going to ask, how has that been for you to be married to someone in the same industry, and you and you worked with her at the beginning, correct? Yes, yeah, so it was good. Yeah. The French House, the French so House. we,
2: we could. Uh, have words uh-huh. and kids to make up, which I, I can't do in my brigade at the moment. <laughs> <Okay>.
0: <laughs> but so you started by working together and then, um, you went and went to St. John, yeah. but do you, do you still, you know, when, when you guys eat each other's food or you're tasting, I mean, how do you separate business and pleasure? How do you, how do you make your marriage work in terms of keeping the work at work and home life at home? Ooh. <laughs> <Is that> a, <laughs> would you like some more friends <laughs> um, I should probably a clear head for this bit. <laughs> but, uh, I'm just um, trying to ask the tough questions so people want to hear all this stuff
2: no, I think it's um, both of us I think if I what our favourite thing doing is have lunch have lunch so, so we um, have lunch a lot you and Margot yeah okay and she's got two restaurants mm-hmm I've got to do so. as always somewhere to go for
0: lunch. <laughs> do you mostly stay in, in your own uh, restaurants when you have lunch together? Mostly, yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah.
0: Okay. Which
2: is... Oh. Um, <laughs> uh, seems fair enough. Yeah, that does seem fair
0: enough. Uh, well, uh, Fergus, I mean, I've, I've read a lot about you, and, and, you know, this comes up a lot, but you were diagnosed with Parkinson's, in, was it 1997, that Something like that. You yeah. were diagnosed. And so I'm just curious, you know, I mean, I'm sure you've talked about this in many interviews, but as a chef who relied on your mobility and your ability to use your hands and use your, you know, your body, how how did um, that diagnosis impact you? And what, what did, how did you get over it and continue to move on with your career?
2: Um, I thought, sort of bugger that. Mm-hmm. That would get me down. mm mm-hmm. So I have not let it get me
0: down. You didn't let it get you down. No, but
2: um, also if I look into the subject or read anything, Mm -hmm. I instantly get that symptom, so I don't read anything about it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's smart. I'm out of sight,
2: out of mind, right? Uh, But at a certain point, it got impossible for me to be in the kitchen. Right. um, Because at that point, I moved around a lot. Sort of flailing arm. Yeah, I read that in the
0: book. You yeah. called yourself a nutter with a knife, I think. Yes, <laughs>
2: And right. so but um, then I had this operation, mm-hmm. deep brain simulation. I stick wires in my head.
0: Okay. And did it help? And it's
2: fantastic. Know, it, it is fantastic. It, yeah. It's,
0: it's incredible. That's incredible. I mean, I would have been, I mean, I'd, I
2: was a with
0: a knife. Right. So now you feel, are you able to cook now or? Not really, because
2: really. uh, much slower, uh, and mm-hmm. vanity comes into it. So i right. pissed off at these young chefs that are much quicker than me. And mm-hmm. so, uh,
0: well, it's it's interesting. The chef, um, Grant Ackett, Alinea in Chicago, yeah. had um, tongue cancer. Yes, yeah. And he talks about losing his ability to taste, which, as a chef, would maybe, you know, that's probably the most important skill thing mm-hmm. of all, I would imagine. But in terms of, I mean I don't I don't mean to keep pushing the subject but I'm just curious in terms of leaving the kitchen in a way did it feel like a loss to you? I mean what what what, uh, yeah. what was the emotional part of it for you?
2: It was it was emotional Yeah. Definitely. And was it um, gradual? It's quite immediate because they did the operation and mm-hmm. a work like that. Yeah. So but um luckily much addiction to my tummy. <laughs> I, have, I have lunch, keep an eye on them that way.
0: So you can enjoy food I still. Can, yes. You can make that leap over the
3: past. Right.
2: Which, okay. which I used to always, when I was running lunch service, mm-hmm. the thrill of lunchtime is you're juggling it and you do know, lose that table quick, quick. And, uh, right. And um, that's. Uh, Yes. I kind of would sit there and was stand there in the pass and um see them having a, say a dry martini before lunch. Mm-hmm. And I thought, Oh <laughs> <laughs> so now mm-hmm. I just walk around the pass mm-hmm. and go sit down and have that martini. <laughs> <laughs> That's nice. So yeah. It's, you're, it's,
0: it's, you're on the other side of the of the of the fence. Yes. So. Um, In terms of, you know, a lot of chefs are control freaks uh, because they want to control what's happening around them. And I'm curious, when you were supervising or sort of shifting your role in the kitchen, was it difficult for you at first to describe to the other chefs what you wanted them to do, how how you wanted it to look, or did you have to become more verbal in how you ran St. John?
2: I've always been quite verbal in a way about... um, It's how making a salad or... Mm
3: -hmm. um, And you make noises that people understand. Yes.
2: (laughs) Sort of of plink-plunk kind of noises.
0: (laughs) Right, right, you have that in the book, like the the sound effects that you should hear. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. that's very funny. So you were able to to describe to the chefs what you wanted from them and what they... Yeah.
2: With... Old noises, hiss, mm-hmm. and a few other things.
0: Well, one of the most beautiful parts of the introduction to your book, which I found very moving, was you talking about growing up and your parents throwing dinner parties ah. and you coming downstairs and seeing all the leftover dinner party, you know, wine glasses and plates and, and then mm. the, the creme brulee still in the mold, and that inspiring you. And I'm wondering for both of you, did you... Did, um, I mean, I know the answer for you, but Trevor, for you too, did you grow up with families where food was very important?
3: No, i suffered from um, English school cooking. <laughs> oh, okay. And various other things. My mother, about when I was quite young, but um, used to cook. Okay. But not in that sense. Um, it was only later on when I became a... I'd from restaurants a lot.
0: You went to restaurants as a kid. Yeah, okay. when I grew up,
3: and I have memories of growing up in London. And I'm um, going to a certain Chinese restaurant, mm-hmm. which is not there anymore. But okay. uh, really, later on, maybe as that site, I'd said didn't exist, or mm-hmm. that sort of as the world was changing.
0: Well, that's interesting in terms of your business that you grew up in restaurants and now you run. You know, and you uh, went into running a restaurant, and you grew up in, with home cooking, and you were interested in cooking. You know, they both both your childhood sort of informed where you went. Um, but I'm curious in terms of the food that you cook in, at St. John or the kind of chef you became. How did your childhood influence the food of your adulthood?
2: <coughs> Sorry. Um, <laughs> Well, it it's sort of it's odd. I think I did my education food the other side of the pass. Mm-hmm. So, at as well as my mum being a good cook, my dad was a big eater mm-hmm. and we was very generous, and we travelled close.
0: So you eat together. And we yeah. ate,
2: and he was very. He's a very generous chap mm-hmm. and full of spirit
0: you talk about your dad in the book coming yeah. to St John and being a regular there was was that meaningful for you to have your dad it was dad? very good
2: because he um, he probably kind of um, I, mean, I think he the first I first told him I was going to be a chef mm-hmm. he said
0: okay but be a good one right and he was an architect right and he wanted you to be an architect
2: um it was quite understanding when I said it was um kitchen life for me Mm -hmm. was quite understanding but he
0: just wanted you to be good at it yeah and did that did that stick with you that you wanted to be the best or you wanted to be excellent at what you did I felt I got to the point that he he was happy. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, architecture is interesting to me in terms of your restaurant because there is something – actually, I'll read you another passage that I highlighted from your book um, that I really liked was about the um, uh, the dining room, and you say – Through the course of this book, I've come to realize that my understanding of restaurants and cooking is becoming increasingly cosmic. I think about the vibrations of a room, about the great chef in the sky, and about the mystical thought transference between a chef and his ingredients. (coughs) Although Dad was more earthbound, perhaps he did have an influence there, too. He had a cosmic understanding of white linen tablecloths, which I thought was... A beautiful way to kind of bring it all together, this idea of you know your father being an architect and yeah. probably being into the
2: uh, visual. He would say that the, the white damask tablecloth kept us all together.
0: Kept us all together. Yeah. Really?
2: Which um well proved to be true.
0: Yeah. It's true. But in terms of architecture, I mean this this father who was an architect, do you do you see any influence of the of the world of architecture on well, your I trained
2: to be an architect as well. Oh you so trained to be an architect.
0: What are some of the um, aspects of architecture that found their way into your cooking?
2: Well um, it was odd thing is I couldn't it's one thing I couldn't talk to my dad discussed with my mm. father. <laughs> architecture he I mean I remember sit my drawing board and they're uh, coming in late and um so what 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 have you got on the go son
0: mm-hmm.
2: and um I tried to explain that I was creating a Sanfer farm. Oh what? A Samphur farm on Hocum Bay. Okay. Which is a huge beach in Nor- Norfolk.
0: Okay.
2: And um and like most of our conversation about architecture I was quickly saying, "I'm the fucking architect. <laughs> You're the student." okay. Uh, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so, but I put it down to love talk. It was love talk. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> um. And but in terms of the design of Saint John and the way that it looks, I mean, is any of that from your background in architecture? Certainly. Certainly. Yeah. And yeah. how about you? I mean, did yeah? No, hundred percent. Yes.
3: Yeah. Well, in that time, folks was actually part of that. Mm -hmm. it wasn't a movement
0: but a move towards um space Mm -hmm. and when so when your dad came and saw saint john for the first time did he have thoughts
2: (laughs) the brilliant thing is we stopped arguing about (laughs) architecture
0: so he just came and enjoyed it yeah Yeah. that's great
3: was a regular. i mean it we you know we we missed brian so he was a part of a some ways kept us going at times.
0: mm mm-hmm. <laughs> he the
3: his chums a
0: main customer. <laughs> um, well he, I'm he just, was an enthusiast and he would he, you know
3: I think admitted at the end he was quite proud of his son. <laughs> you know. So yeah. he didn't want him to become too famous though, because that would be too much.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well there, there was a bad moment <laughs> in <things>. Sweet
3: a fish <laughs> restaurant <laughs> that's that's right. in uh, of, the centre of city of
2: London. And there's a mosh pit to where you get squeezed in mm-hmm. before they can seat you. And um Anjo, who's my the waiter, you have to have, you sort of stick to your waiter with some way of developing long term relationship. Mm-hmm. And um Andrew came here and said, Mr. Henderson to me. At that point I converged my father at the the door from the moshwick goes into another uh-huh. dining room, and um, he went and she went, No, you're Mr. Henderson. It's is Mr. Henderson. <laughs> me, that didn't go down well. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> you became the Mr. Henderson, <laughs> yes. It was, it was, um, yeah, it was, I like, yeah. And oh, you have name. children, right? Fergus, three. You have three children, Trevor. Do you have children? Yeah, two. Too. And I'm curious, how many of them, or are, are any of them chefs or in, interested in the restaurant industry? My son is. Your son is he a chef. Is,
2: he's cooking his mum.
0: Really? And, how, and was that something you encouraged him to do, or did he just gravitate towards cooking?
2: Gravitational pull. Yeah.
0: <laughs> he yeah. just, I mean, it'd be hard to avoid if both your parents are, are chefs, right? Yeah.
3: Could be the reason you didn't want. to Yeah, that's true. I mean, my dad's a dentist, and I'm certainly not a dentist,
0: <laughs> <laughs> as far as I know. Um, but so the other two children, though, are they are they also um, full grown adults now? And what do they do? Uh, Nineteen and twenty. I think. Okay, so they're still figuring out their paths.
2: Well, the weird thing is, one of them the also is trained to be an accountant.
0: An accountant? Yes, which is good. I guess yeah. that's good. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> But (laughs) unexpected.
3: Unexpected.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Will you let her do the books for Saint John or (laughs) Well she's she's very impressive. Yeah, I I mean I can use a a good accountant, so she
2: can look at a page of figures and make sense of it, which is incredible.
0: That's great. And what about your other child?
2: Uh she's at Manchester University. She's at university.
0: And what about your children, Trevor? Do they are they interested in the restaurant industry?
3: They both know how to behave and conduct themselves in a restaurant. Oh, okay, and feel comfortably in those spaces. Okay, <laughs> gotcha. Okay. <laughs> okay, well that's, that's
0: important. That's that's just osmosis. <laughs> actually, that makes me think: like how, how should one conduct one, oneself in a restaurant? One
3: should be pleased and happy and enjoy <laughs> and, and be confident.
0: Right. i we said saying Saint John, Weir, uh, there's a French
3: expression which says they are comfortable in their own skin. Mm-hmm. So you can walk into a restaurant and go, ah, oh, I think, but you just feel confident. And there is a mm-hmm. confidence and there's a two-way street and everyone's delighted.
0: That's I very interesting. I have to say, I, as I grew older, I became more and more comfortable going by myself to a restaurant. Yeah. Uh, and it makes this is kind of a full circle because one of those restaurants was St. John. But um, but going by yourself to a restaurant, as a kid, that terrified me. Just <laughs> walking into a you know, just... You know, what, what if they figure out that I don't know what I'm doing or, you know, so that's really interesting. Um, but I'm curious, Fergus, I'm going to keep pressing this, but this, the son who's a chef, um, now I'm just thinking about your father as the architect who said, I'm the fucking architect. When your son said he wanted to be a chef, were you like, I'm the fucking chef? <laughs> no, no is, uh, very happy. You were happy. Yeah. And very... what kind of food does he make? Does he make similar food to you? Quite solar food. So he's cooking that simple um, British, uh, all the parts of the animal. You can get quite out to pop up. he's he's, <laughs> he's,
2: sort of, he's done lots sort of Trinidadian and things. That oh, really? And oh, bucks okay.
0: And uh, he's shaking it up a little bit. Yeah, you know those young <laughs> <poisoning> now? <laughs> all right. And have you ever offered up your two cents when you taste his food? Have you said this is a little? Salty. This is a little too acidic.
2: That's to quite general because it's quite hard, he says, for chefs trying to make it. Mm-hmm. You got two parents who are both usually well known chefs. That's true. Yeah, uh, <laughs> so sort of, it makes a tricky starting point.
0: Does Margo weigh in on on his food? Does she have a lot to say?
2: She has a lot all in his favor none in mine <laughs> oh, <not either.
0: laughs> so what are the dishes out of this book the saint the book of saint john that you know you you feel are the ones that i mean obviously like these are there's so many that represent your restaurant but as a home cook you know where would i begin i kind of want to pickle some walnuts and uh yeah, it's the wrong one to begin with. <laughs> Yeah, although I have, a, I have a walnut tree a green walnut tree in my backyard even so, you'll find <laughs> yeah, you yeah. get them
2: quickly. Okay. They start forming a shell. Oh. And then you have to take them apart.
0: Okay. So don't and do then, that. And then it goes black. Well, here's the and thing. There's, yeah,
3: and there's a bit of chemistry that goes on.
0: Oh, yeah. yeah. But like, I have to say, as I, so I cook all the time. I love to cook. And also, I loved your, your reference to Marcella Hazan, because she, she, she was um, influential on in your family cooking. Usually. And um, and I made her bolognese last night for dinner as I was reading this. So, um, but I'm a big fan. But in terms of cooking, you know, I I have to say when I when I ate at St John and I ate the ox heart and I ate, these are things that. I wouldn't, you know, as a home cook, it's not that I wouldn't even dare to make them. It's that I have no frame of reference. It's like, how do I know if, I, if I'm cooking the brain the right way and if it's turning the right color? And, you know, do you have any advice for people who are cooking for the first time with these unfamiliar ingredients how to go about it?
2: Well, don't be frightened.
0: Don't be frightened. Yeah.
2: Because it will misbehave your ingredients, <laughs> which uh, sounds sort of uh, foolish thing to say, but it's true being I mean, so yeah be confident
0: be confident I think that's true as you know even I think the key is like when you're like flipping an omelette or something it's like if you're if you're scared to do it it will go all it's, over it's, the place it,
2: yeah, it's, it's the yeah that's the end of your omelette
0: yeah that's the end of your omelette but do you have a recommendation for a recipe in this book that that's one for a home cook to to make first or um or just whatever one is drawn to do you think I
2: think it's be drawn yeah because it's a uh, well if you're not if you're not drawing the right way it's gonna end, <laughs> in tears so it becomes a
3: task not a joy
0: that is true yes, yeah there you go <laughs> well there's i mean i was fascinated at the idea of a brining bucket at brining you know how well, it's
3: great comfort to have
2: up your
0: sleeve it is it's something philosophical about it though the way that you write about it that you know, you have trotters going in one day and you're taking out the ones from last week and it's almost a way of life, right? It is.
3: An airport hub.
0: Oh, an airport hub, yeah. But do you recommend for a home cook having a brining bucket? Yes. Yeah? Just like some pork chops and throw them in.
2: This is an example of how easy cooking can be. Right. If you oh. sort of...
3: And how not to
0: waste food. How not to waste food. Yes. Trevor, it's do you important. cook do you cook at home? My wife's a very good cook, too. Oh, your wife is a good cook? What you... He can cook. Everyone, everyone around me can cook. <laughs> so you figured out... I, the... I cook
3: once a year at the Fete de Vin. At the what? At our Fete de Vin, down at the winery. Oh, at the winery. That's the only time I cook.
0: And what do, you, what do you make?
3: I cook quails and various other things on, on a large open fire, which we use our, our sushis, our stumps from our vines. Mm. And it's the most wonderful medium for <laughs> cooking. So
0: water. you do it once a year, you cook. Yeah. But how do you? How do you... Keep up your skill set. I've done it a few years now. I'm quite good so at one good. thing. Okay. What do you think, Fergus? Have you had it? Is, it, is he a good cook?
3: <laughs> of quails. <laughs> <It> is, uh,
0: <laughs> exemplary. Exemplary. <laughs> Thank you, <chef>. Quail, uh, <laughs> quail <laughs> management. Well, this couples therapy session has gone very well. I don't think you guys need couples therapy. <laughs> you know all the right things to say. Well, every session begins with um, what did you have for lunch, but it ends with what are you having for, for supper tonight or what are you having for dinner tonight?
3: Oh, we're going to, He's looking at you.
0: Here's looking at you. That's a great yeah. restaurant. That's yeah. fantastic. So
3: we heard. So yeah. So you are looking gonna... forward to that.
0: So when you, when you travel, do you travel together often to other places? Or? Yeah. Okay. And how do you, how do you choose where to eat and where do you want to go? We
3: are, it's a criticism, both domestically and <laughs> in the genre. You two are working out your lunch, aren't you? <laughs> yes. What are you, what are, what are you, you going to do next? Working out our dinner?
0: <laughs> That's my We're idea. there for business. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> so you're researching and thinking about where to go.
3: I was thinking it's, it's a, nothing like a good restaurant. It's such a, when you arrive somewhere, I go, oh, we can do that. Which will often happen. I go, ah, I know what we're going to do today. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's the plan.
0: And and do you is there are there criteria like when you're in LA? I mean, there's so many places to go here, but also there's so many different ways to go about it. I mean, you yeah. can go to a taco truck, you yeah. can go to a forced or a Michelin starred meal. I mean, what what do you gravitate towards? Is it more of the sit down meals, more of the casual?
3: Well, we like we like Dear John's, but we shouldn't say that we'll never get in. Um, <laughs> dear, oh yeah, that's yeah, steakhouse. That's for, and, oh yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Because we often say with, with um, Mary Sue. Mary Oh, Mary Sue yeah. Milliken. Uh, her business partner was on this podcast. Oh, right. She, Susan. Yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we often, if we're there, we, we stay there because we're at home there. Oh, that's lovely. There. She might be coming on soon, yeah. Mary Sue. Yeah. So, okay. That's be good fun. Okay. And
3: um, so at the moment, we've been, because we're backwards and forwards, and, we, and uh, sadly, but at least we spent some time with Jonathan Gold before he died. Mm-hmm. So doing food festivals, and so we've been here a bit. And in a way, what we're doing is, we haven't been anywhere back twice. I mean, it been a couple, but you go from... For us, it's... it's. Um, oh, I get in trouble. I can miss some things. We cooked at Redbird. Uh, John and Vinny are good fun. They yes. helped us to a charity thing for Christmas. Um, that's some really good thing really <laughs> travel. We, we have an exit route when we, like, tomorrow we go home. So in the afternoon, our last meeting is always at Jelena. Oh, of course. Because we have a nice and we love them dearly. Yes. And it's very close to the airport. So mm-hmm. that silverbird takes off. We're asleep. And hopefully, the next thing is that we were going squeak on, <laughs> on the tarmac at Heathrow. This is you and guys, Felix, this we, is yeah. a
0: religion I can get behind. I mean, yeah. I feel like you guys have figured out life. I mean, you know how to live. You, it's a meal to meal, sleeping, yeah. flying, living it up.
3: Yeah. <laughs> it like sounds some...
0: good to me. Well, I mean, in terms of LA, I mean, I know that you don't want to talk about the possibility of opening a restaurant, but I do, I am curious. Since it is a possibility, what made you choose LA as a place to th- consider a p- opening a restaurant? <laughs> it, it, it,
3: I'm glad because these things they're only done when they're done. You must sure. be fully confident and be common sense. Right. You know, we we're not exactly Which is for, probably
2: a good moment to yeah. Yeah. slip out. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, that, and, uh, okay, you'll
3: okay. slip away. But we do know that um, that uh, Angelinos, Los Angeles has changed. Our spiritual home is is North. Mm-hmm. San Francisco in fact Alice was on something the other night it's about Tommy you came up and cooked again mm-hmm. and we, it was 15 years ago so. <laughs> Alice Waters yeah, yeah. so was, um, yeah. so uh, so it's quite unusual that we'd be in these conversations yes well and then again everybody whether it's David Chang or the, da da, da with, um, But we don't do zeitgeist, guys, do we? So we better be careful.
0: (laughs) Well, I look forward to having a martini at the bar of either St. John, Los Angeles, or the one in um, London. Well, thank you both so much for coming on today. This was really lovely. Appreciate it. Thank you.
1: ACAST powers some of the world's best podcasts. Here's a show we recommend. My name is John Kasich. I'm the former governor of Ohio, former presidential candidate,
3: and I'm Jordan Klepper. I'm a comedian.
1: We have a new podcast together called Kasich and Klepper from Acast and Treefort Media.
3: Why is Kasich first?
1: Well, first of all, it's alphabetical. K L. Yeah, I, you, you, I, I understand. and I ran a whole state once too. By the way,
3: you ran a mid-sized state, to be clear. <laughs>
1: You know, a lot of people are going to think, oh, well, this is going to be about politics. No, it's not. It's going to be about life.
3: We're going to talk about politics, I'm sure, but we're also going to talk about the things that affect us. And I might ask for a fatherly advice of, like, how do you raise a child who won't become a Republican?
0: <laughs> Welcome to
3: Kasich and Klepper. Listen and subscribe now wherever you get your podcasts. ACAST, A-cast. 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 recommends.